Welcome to the Bold Love Podcast with Pastor Bob Roberts, Jr. My name is Josh Tate, and we hope you've enjoyed the journal sessions, but we're going to take a quick break this week in order to bring you an interview of great importance. As many of you know, there was an incredible revival and move of God at Asbury University, and we're still seeing incredible things since it has started. The Holy Spirit was moving, and we are going to give you a front row seat to the Asbury Revival with someone who was there, and he is the director of church multiplication at Asbury, Dr. Winfield Bevins. Dr. Bevins is an internationally recognized author, teacher, and artist. He is the director of the Asbury Center for Church Multiplication, and over the past decade, he's helped churches start and several nonprofit organizations as well, including a food distribution center that helps underprivileged people, and along with a nonprofit art guild, gallery, and studio. So we're going to hear what went on in Asbury and just some incredible detail and incredible testimonies from that. So let's get right to it. And I'm going to welcome in the host of the Bold Love Podcast, Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. Winfield Bevins, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing good. How about you, Bob? I'm fantastic. Man, I really appreciate you being here and doing this. I know you're in the thick of a lot of stuff, but I really wanted to talk to you. So, uh, Winfield, what do you teach at Asbury? So I teach church planning. I'm the director of the Global Church Planning Initiative um, here at Asbury. Been here uh, eight years and have really traveled the world, um, kind of training leaders in every continent, 20 plus nations. And, that, yeah, that's awesome. You know, uh, the crazy thing happened. We talked. I can't remember what day it was last Wednesday or Thursday, a week and a half ago, yeah. I was getting ready to go to Sudan. And you had just, if I remember right, you had just come out of chapel. And you yeah. said, I think we may be in the middle of something. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, and, and I've been following it on Instagram. Yeah. It has been incredible yeah. uh, what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing. Uh, it's just been over the top. Uh, I, I want to ask two or three questions, if I could, as we talk about what's going on at Asbury and the impact that it can have for all of us. Yep. Uh, the first thing, Winfield, is I have a lot of people that listen to my podcast that are Jews, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, everything else. What is revival? In Christianity, when we say revival, what does it mean? Help non-Christians understand that just a little bit. Yeah, revival, you know, there's a lot of definitions. People are calling this, uh, I think Asbury is officially calling this an outpouring um, you know, that some people refer to renewal. It's, 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 a, it, the Bible calls it times of refreshing and, uh, from the presence of the Lord, the book of Acts says. And really it's a, it's a visitation of the nearness of God when God really tangibly, um, tabernacles to use maybe a term that maybe Jews or Muslims might understand where, uh, the presence of God actually comes among his people. And uh, I, I certainly think that would be the testimony of many people who've come here. It has been two weeks of uh, an outpouring uh, with just an incredible sense of, of God's presence. Would it be fair to say it's a little bit more on the mystical side of faith? Like you said, experiencing the, yep. the tangible presence of God? Yeah. I mean, it's not just dogmatic or doctrinal. This is very much an encounter with the Lord. Um, 
Yeah, I would definitely say that. You walk in and it feels there's this sense of the holiness of God is is really in that place um, in a way that I I personally have never encountered okay. um, in a sustained way. You know, mystical experiences are kind of like a maybe a one time experience that you have in the desert or on a retreat or something. This is think in terms of a sustained outpouring of God's presence among his people. So what happened? How did this all come about? Yeah. So let me say this. We're a tiny town, Bob, you know, maybe a red light, you know, one gas station, uh, a dollar general, (laughs) a coffee shop, a subway. That's it. And um, so everyone involved with this, these are my neighbors. These are people I know very well. These are humble uh, people, but nobody's, you know, um, sensationalists, you know, there's no like weird stuff. Um, it happened in a chapel it was a very normal, the way it was described, very normal chapel. Actually, one of my former church planners, church planning students was preaching named Zach Mirkrips. And he, he invited people to come forward to pray. And I think about 15 students came forward to just pray at the altar and, uh, the, the the worship team kind of continued and people were dismissed. And over the afternoon, those people never left. And over the course of the afternoon, people just kept feeling um, that something was drawing them back. And uh, by three o'clock, I got a text from my assistant saying, hey, there's a revival that's people are just praying in, in Hughes Auditorium. I'm going over there. So I, I said, well, I need to go check this out. My daughter's a freshman, too. So I'm I'm also a father of a, of a Asbury <laughs> University student. So I have that unique perspective. And uh, I walked in there and the place was maybe half full, you know. Um, but as soon as I walked in there, you could feel uh, a very tangible sense of God's presence um, for Again, but to use your term mystical, like, I mean, I, I don't know what the, the right words are to describe it. Um, but students uh, coming to faith, students um, experiencing healing, um, emotional healing, physical healing, coming forward for prayer. Um, and I, you know, being a Christian leader, I, you know, I went down to the altar and just spent the afternoon praying with students and it just kept going and it's been going for, I guess, close to two weeks now. What what is it like? You said when you walk in there, you felt the presence of God. I've read accounts where in the 1800s, there was a great move of God in the 1850s and sailors coming into port uh, into New York city would sense the presence of God. Was it like that? I mean, it was just, yep. You can, it's unbelievable. I mean, really, it has over the last week, the global impact of this has. A, the funny thing is we talked right as this was starting and then you went to the Middle East, I guess, and Africa. And I mean, just since then, Bob, it's been it's like Woodstock. <laughs> there are cars yeah. everywhere and people from all around the world. And um, yeah, yeah, just every time I go in there. So uh you know, when we get off the call, I'm going back in, you know, serving on a prayer team there at the altar. Think in terms of two schools across the street from each other. 
Hughes Auditorium maybe seats up to a thousand. On the Asbury Seminary side, we have several chapels that are completely overrun. I mean, there are tens of thousands, I mean, thousands of people here in this tiny little town. And just walking down the streets, you can just feel goosebumps. Like wow. people are praying and worshiping in the streets. Uh, I mean, so many people coming to faith, like praying in the altar. I can, you know, I can so, see so pictures. How do, they, how do they come into faith? Do they hear there's a, yep. a person without Christ? Yes. Here's their so, event, so they show up. How, do, how is this happening? I mean, people are just hearing about this. Uh, believers, non-believers, people are bringing their friends, um, people from all around the world. Like I went to the restroom the other day and uh, w walked through the upstairs and there was a man coming out in the balcony area from India, brought his whole family here. Wow. And, you know, just he probably would not have access to the prayer area in the front. And I just asked him if I could pray with him and he just broke down in tears, wow. you know, and. Uh, just a real sense of God's presence. Um, there was uh, two kids, a friend of mine from the church we had planted in the Carolinas. There were two young girls that don't even go to church that worked for them. And they said, we heard about this revival. We're really skeptical. We want to see what this thing's all about. So I get a text yesterday. These two girls drive 15 hours, <laughs> 15 hours. Wow. And they text me when they get into town. Somehow they found a parking spot on main street. Cause it, there are cars everywhere. And I walked these girls in the back. I had five minutes with them and I said, girls, this is real. And they just kind of teared up. And I, I didn't know how I was going to get them through the line there. You know, there's 20,000 people trying to get in the building. So I, I went through the back, flashed my little prayer badge and a friend of mine who's a neighbor. I said, listen, these two girls drove 15 hours. Can we get them in there? And they were taken, um, young people 20 and under to put, there's so many people they're putting them on the stage and they grabbed their hands and they said, we're taking them up and off they went. <laughs> and <laughs> and wow. the girls texted me last night about 1230. They were there till 1230 and they said, our lives have been changed. Wow. I mean, just, um, I, I could just tell you stories after stories of just incredible things that God is doing. Now, Winfield, I was told, this may be incorrect. Uh, let me know if you know. But the guy who preached uh, texted his wife something to the effect, I just preached the worst sermon of my life. Yes. Yep. It was horrible. And uh, pray for me. Yep. And then he called them to prayer. Is this true? Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, I, I, when I went Wednesday afternoon, um, you know, we're back. I mean, people are just like in tears. They just don't know what to do. Um, Kevin Brown, the president, is my neighbor. He's like two houses this way, you know. And I go up to Kevin, and I'm like, Kevin, what in the world? And he just turned to me. This is president of the university. I mean, just you could tell the man had just been weeping. He said, Winfield, I don't know what. Uh, he said, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And his descriptions were, it was just an ordinary chapel. The sermon wasn't, there was nothing you know, supernatural about anything about the service. It was, there was no hype and God just began to move and it's still, move, you know, God is still moving, now my, you know, still drawing. My understanding the is there's really not sermons that are preached. There's a few that'll preach here and there, but the focus is not on preachers. Is this correct? Yeah. So this is the beautiful thing about it, Bob, is there's no rock stars. 
Uh, now, some big name people have shown up and thankfully they, you know, they haven't had a big platform. This started with just the worship team was just, I think, a, a multicultural worship band. Uh, and the other thing is just seeing people from all around the world and even a lot of the students, multicultural students that are engaged in this. And uh, so there are several sermons a day. Uh, my experience, because I usually go in the evenings they're, and they're short. And they're very Jesus. Like how long, and, how long are they, Winfield? You know, maybe a 20 minute sermon. Uh, but, you know, it's spirited. It's, you know, ex exhorting. And then someone will invite people to, you know, come and receive Jesus. And now, now let me ask you this, Winfield. I've been told you can correct a lot of this. I've been told that y'all have actually pushed back on some celebrity pastors who want to preach and do oh, yeah. some things. Is this yeah. true? Yeah, I, I won't name no. any names, but we've had. Oh, you don't, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have I, to. But but I love this. So so it's not about preaching. It it's not. It, now, it's, Winfield, I'm a Baptist. Hold on yeah. to your pants, but, <laughs> but I, or hold on to your seat. But I hear y'all even have women that are preaching. Is this true? Oh yeah, last night's altar. So my friend Rob Lim, who has an amazing story. He's from Australia. He's an Asian Australian was a very successful business exe bank executive gave everything up to come here to seminary and he's just so on fire for the Lord. So he preached last night and then a member of the Asbury university staff, a, a woman got up and gave the altar call. And of course, I mean, just dozens of people came forward. And it was a, to, a woman. It was a woman. Amen. <laughs> That just, that just tickles me to death and makes my day. Yeah. That is fantastic. So I also hear uh, you don't have any lights. You can't, you don't have any dimmer switches. And I hear there's no <laughs> fog machines. No. Oh, and I hear yeah. the music actually sucks sometimes. Yeah. But that I, God is all over the place. Is this true? There's no celebrity worship leaders. There's no celebrity. I don't even know that they introduce the preachers. Nobody that's getting up on stage, <laughs> no big it. introductions, um, incredible humility. Last night's music, there was it was university students. There was nothing great about it. Um, the the chapel, think in terms of like a 1930s, uh, you know, wooden auditorium chapel, you know, university auditorium. <laughs> you know, like this is like. Uh, the chairs are wood. They're original wow. wood. It's it's actually somewhat uncomfortable, and and it's actually probably keeping the revival from getting too crazy because you know you get into this row of chairs, you can't go anywhere, <laughs> and people are just staying for hours. And it, there's people have described, and this has certainly been my experience. When you walk in there, it's like um, time stops. Uh, the first day I went there, I was there from three to six praying, and it felt like I'd been there 10 minutes. I came back from seven to 11. I was just helping to pray for people. Saturday, Bob, I went there at one, was in the altar praying for people nonstop from one till about 730 at night. I, I forgot to eat dinner and realized I was getting ready to pass out. Like I was just so in you know, the zone of just praying for, and yeah, is, you know. yeah. And I've heard it's not necessarily that emotional. Sometimes it is, nope. sometimes it isn't. Yep. There's, I mean, there's no, no, again, show there's no to big, it. There's really no show at all. 
again, there's there's no so, smoke machines. So no what is this about, Winfield? What is what do you think God is saying? I think God is one. <clears throat> my sense those first few days, it was just a beautiful, quiet. It was almost like God just pouring out a spirit on this generation. There's been so much that has been said um, negatively, like, oh, this Gen Z is leaving the church. They don't care about faith. You know, um, it, so much darkness and evil has been spoken over them. And um, one of the things that I just kind of sensed was this was this was the Lord just pouring purity and holiness and just washing over all of those words and speaking blessings over this generation. And um, there's no celebrities like, you know, like I said, there's no big name preachers. There's no extended long sermons. There's just worship, um, prayer testimonies that, you know, you know, every, every hour in the hour, they're rotating this. They'll just, you know, they'll vet the testimonies, but you know, it's people coming up, you know, giving short testimonies, scripture reading. Um, Jesus is, you know, they keep reiterating, this is about Jesus. And, um, and, and it's, it's just really that simple. You know? That's incredible. I, 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 during COVID, I had a sense uh, for me, at least, what I heard Jesus saying was, I want my church back. Mm. I mean, I, I really, it's, it's like we've taken it over through industry and celebrity and consumerism, materialism, culture wars. We've got all this stuff we're doing, but in the essence, Jesus, it's like he's on the outside knocking and trying to get in. And when I hear describe what's going on yeah. at Asbury, I'm going, that's it. I mean, I mean, he's the star of the show. It's not the preachers, not the yes. singers, not the programming. It's all about him. Yes. I mean, so Winfield, let me ask you this. I'm, I'm hearing reports of this spreading in different universities, Lee and Sam, uh, Samford. And then last night I got excited. My alma mater, Baylor. Uh, there was a spontaneous gathering yep. uh, in the commons area outside. They began to pray. They wound up opening the chapel. It's been up all day long. I mean, I get excited when I think about my university. I mean, the possibility that God would move in that place. Yeah. I mean, when this all started, did you guys ever dream that God would start moving outside Asbury? I mean, it, it, and a lot of people at Baylor last night, some of them were saying, oh, you're just trying to duplicate that. And it was exactly the same words that you're saying. They're saying, no, this is, we're just trying to get close to God and listen yeah. to whatever he's saying. We, we want to be available. How do you feel about that when you see this spreading? I mean, yeah. I mean, last week, there was a question, is this a move of God? Yeah, it's something. Well, I think anybody who knows anything about renewal would have to admit, call it outpouring, revival, doesn't matter. Something's happening. But now, Winfield, yeah. we see it moving to other campuses. What, is, what does this mean to you? What do you, what do you hear? I, I do think you're right about the Gen Z stuff. I get yeah. sick of people counting people out. They look at church yes. history in five and ten year segments. You can't do that. You've got to look at church history in 50 and 100 and 1,000 year segments. Because when things are the darkest, man, that's when God comes through. Yeah. Something that's unexpected right. happens. What do you see happening when you think about how it's moving now beyond Asbury? Well, again, the testimonies around the world 
again, the first few days we were hearing that leaders coming from other campuses saying, we've been praying for this. And, you know, that's the other key thing. I would just say people have been praying for this to happen. Thursday is a collegiate day of prayer. And so a month or two ago, some leaders uh, were here on campus. People have been praying here for revival. There's a revival here in the 70s. And prayer always precedes these outpourings as you study historically. I wrote a, a part of my research is on movements. I wrote a book, Marks of a Movement, where I look at the dynamics of the early Wesleyan revival. And this was, you know, revivals are always birthed out of prayer meetings. When God's people humble themselves and pray, um, God hears from heaven. If they turn from their wicked ways, God will hear from heaven. And I, I am so excited that these testimonies, people are coming here and their heart, their hungry heart is saying, we want to take it back. And that's the blessing of, I think of this as a revival or renewal, whatever you call it. It's an outpouring to where God's wanting to send people back into their place to pray for a revival and to you know, confess the goodness of God and to speak blessings over people's lives. So I'm ecstatic. I mean, I'm. And again, I've not yet of, heard. I've not yet heard of it going into churches yet. Yeah. Have you? I mean, or, I've not yet heard about this. You know, I haven't either. You're hearing about it on university campuses, and you know, may it spread to the churches, but also. Uh, may there be new wineskins that emerge out of this. Maybe God is raising up a, the next generation of pastors. So many um, denominations, their doors are closing because they don't have the next generation leaders to fill the gap. Um, and so maybe that's one of the things that I think is in the heart of God is to raise up the next generation of pastors, leaders, missionaries um, to go e even into the marketplace to bring this, this fire so, of revival. So let me ask you a hard question. Do you think the reason it's on the campuses is because the churches can't receive it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of churches, I don't know that they want a, a disruption, you know, and the incredible humility of the leaders of this. This is a university, Bob. <laughs> like, imagine, like, your church. If a 24-7 revival breaks out for two weeks, how much that would disrupt just your church campus? Like, would your staff be able to, like, this is a small town, and I've I've been really humbled and um, uh, just have really had to check my own heart when it began to get big. You know, it's just like, what in the world are all these people doing here? You know, we were enjoying this thing, and now it's kind of turned to, you know, our church actually actually took over the prayer ministry for the whole thing. And I really felt convicted that I need to be in there serving and pouring back out so that others can go back out with this. And the humility of the president and the leadership at Asbury, I mean, imagine a university that would allow a sustained revival to continue for two weeks, the toll that that would take on faculty, staff, student, the burden. So pray for them. You know, I would encourage people listening rather than criticizing, you know, pray and like, you know, rejoice that young people are excited about their faith coming. To, I've seen firsthand um, Saturday, one of the services, probably a quarter of the service were Hispanic Latino leaders. Wow. And, 
Um, I, I was praying in the altar. I took a picture. It was so glorious. There were several young men that came forward, came to faith. And, uh, I, you know, I, I just had to take a picture. It was just like, uh, it was like, like I was in heaven. You know, these people just coming forward, just the glow of having just received Christ. It was just so beautiful and amazing. Winfield, let me ask you this. Uh, when, when we think about... Uh, the whole context of renewal and revival, we think about repentance. We're, we're getting right with God. We don't necessarily always go deeper with God. We don't become wiser, but we become more pure. I like the way you said yep. that earlier. Do you see this going beyond repentance? You mentioned earlier, maybe God's also in the process of raising up the next generation yes. of pastors. What do you see beyond the actual service itself? Yeah, I mean, that will be that will remain to be seen. And that's where kind of my passion is in the area of discipleship as well. You know, and it needs to move toward that. But just seeing, again, people not just coming to faith, but also people praying to be delivered from addiction and bondage. And in the back of this old auditorium, there's the, the lettering that says holiness unto the Lord. And I think that's really fitting. I think that's a word for this generation. I think for the church, it's not just a quote, you know, get saved or give your life to Jesus, but it's actually a call to walk and live a life of uh, commitment to follow um, Jesus, the Messiah. And um, that's been, again, the, the, the sermons that have been, they're not these big exegetical, it's just been, you know, given it all go you know give your whole life you know lay your burdens down and follow christ and i i do believe that um one of the things um that is going to come out of this is that again god is going to raise up leaders that are going to answer the call to um you know move the church into the future because it's we're whether we like it or not we all know we're in a new world you know a different world right. than we were before covid and this is a thing, and I'll tell you, it. this has just felt like something just incredibly sovereign. The, I remember the second day of the revival, this, this, um, this cloud blew in, <laughs> and everyone was like, it was actually scary. It was this giant, dark wall of a cloud that just blew over the town, and it was like a tipping point. Um, where the thing just began to just blow up. And so there's just this sense that there's something really significant that the Lord's doing in this. Nobody's, again, nobody's manufactured this. This, you know, this was not planned by the administration. These are all very, these are my neighbors, Bob. These are people, the people who are really leading this, they're desperately trying to figure it out. The announcement yesterday, uh, pres uh, you know, President Brown got up, the the entire town is at capacity. Literally, our mayor, the police force, the highway. I mean, imagine a town of. Wow, oh, that is incredible. Like, com there's no, I mean, complete capacity. Like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. It's, it's the way I would describe it. Like, it feels like something of biblical proportion. It feels like we're experiencing something that is so weighty. And in this cultural moment, globally, this is a, a, a global moment to, to steal a phrase that, you know, you have yeah. used. Uh, 
I've been amazed at how many people have come here from all around the world. There's a couple I prayed for. They, you know, they came in with, they, they, they were wrapped in their flags from Brazil. And, you know, I get, you know, I, I know a few words in Portuguese. They knew some English and we were just praying and laughing <laughs> and crying. And this is a global thing. This isn't just for our tiny little town and how humble that is because no. Wilmore is the smallest, you know, place in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky but God chose this little place to pour out a spirit to, to send it out to the nations is kind of how we feel. Yeah. I've watched pictures of it. I mean, I've followed it as close as I can and I love it. it there are people that are praying for one another yeah. and they are in small groups and they're, they're seeking God. And uh, I have a close friend, my spiritual father, I buried him about a month ago. And he used to, we talk a lot about renewal. And he said, we've got to get quiet enough, Bob, to hear God's voice. You know, we've got to preach. We've got to do music. He said, we're afraid of silence, of getting quiet and letting God lead. Are you seeing that? A, a sense of people being quiet before God and then the ministry comes? What role does that play? I mean, people, again, they'll just worship. Some people sit. Um, some people just, just linger at the altar and just sit in, I would just say, sit in God's presence, you know, and it's just an unusual atmosphere. There's thousands of people just waiting to get in and the, the, um, and prayers breaking out, you know, in groups that are just kind of in the middle of the courtyard area. And, um, there's different chapels that are open. And so people are just finding little places to pray and to get what God, you know, it doesn't have to happen in that chapel. Now there, there's something very unusual and there is an outpouring that you can feel this tangible thing, but even just walking around, I think God wants to do it everywhere. You know, it's kind of my thing is, and again, that prayer, I think precedes it. I think that's definitely kind of historically, but my experience to, to just know that people have been praying for this. I mean, let me ask you this. I uh, recently, I've got a, a podcast that's going to be coming up on spirituality. And a lot of people don't realize it, but we are living in the most spiritual age that we've had in America in about 150 years. But people no longer look to Jesus for their spirituality. Uh, they're looking outside Christianity. Many of them have come to church and they've left. Uh, talk to me about the spirituality, the connection with God that you see happening. Yeah, I think, um, you know, actually someone asked me about this because, you know, you, there's there's two interesting trends. You have people that are being drawn to more, ex I, I think, an experiential um, en encounter with faith. Um, so you have people who are drawn to, say, more liturgical, sacramental expressions of Christianity. And then you have those that are kind of moving in more charismatic directions. But young people are actually move, gravitating toward a convergence of those things. And some of these other world religions have more of a maybe sacramental liturgical framework or, you know, incense and different things that where, whereas in Christianity, I think for the last hundred years in North America, it's been very cerebral. It's been very kind of come in here and get a, yeah. you know, uh, a lecture and, you know, be stimulated intellectually. And I think people are wanting, there's a hunger for a, a, a depth of spirituality and whether you call it the mystical, the contemplative, the experiential, I think there's a hunger for that. And I think that's part of what's going on here is 
you have young people that they want they don't want to just know about God. They want to experience God. They want to know God, you know, in a very personal, experiential kind of way. I, I agree with that. And I think it's uh I think I think it's significant. You you said something else. Uh I'm I'm pretty passionate about the public square and studying the life of Paul. Everything he did was in the public square. We have the idea that he was in a church building doing all this, and that's just not the case. Yeah. Uh, he was on Mars Hill. He was at the Areopagus. You know, he's public square everywhere he goes. What do you think the possibility of this breaking into the public square is? What are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean— And what would that look like? Yeah, I mean, what's exciting for me is this is a liberal arts, Christian liberal arts university— that has a state-of-the-art um, communications film program. They do the Summer Olympics um, every year. They do the videography. Um, there's an art design program. We just built a, a beautiful, new, brand-new collaborative learning biz business school. Uh, and so these are some of the kind of the hallmarks of Asbury University. So, in other words, a lot of these kids that are experiencing this, they're going out into the marketplace and you, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but one of the greatest ministries uh, I've ever had is when we had planted a church in the Outer Banks, we founded a, a, a nonprofit art gallery that reached hundreds of people. We had these first Friday art shows and it allowed the church to actually go out into the marketplace and it created a liminal space. And so I think engaging the arts um, the fine arts, music, I think thinking in these different domains of society is, you know, to use some of your language. We have to reclaim these spaces. Um, what happened with the, you know, what happened, you know, eight, late 1800s with, you know, there's whole, Mark Knoll wrote about this in the scandal of the evangelical yeah. mind where Christians became disengaged with society and they gave um, culture back over to the world and they disengaged from uh, you know, the universities, the sciences, the publics, you know, the uh, political education, they gave it, they gave it all away. And I think God's wanting to reclaim those for the gospel. And I, I think that would be my prayer. And I think this next generation, Gen Z is very much more kind of that's how they think. They think outside of the traditional four walls of the church and so that is my personal hope and prayer is that we reclaim the arts for Christ, that we reclaim the sciences for Christ, uh, that we go into the spaces of education and we engage in the public sphere. And I know the work you're doing, engaging with uh, in, in generous dialogue with leaders of other faith and having respect and dialogue there. The Christians need to get out of the four walls of the By church. By the way, we've got some, uh, some of my Muslim friends uh, uh, are on this. And uh, I see a couple of my Jewish friends as well that have been on here. If they wanted to come as a group, as another religion, you think we could get them in and we could let <laughs> we them could see them to show up? They're just curious at what Christians, what a revival is. I, yeah. I may text you. You may have to tell me no, but if, if, uh, <laughs> if some of you guys wanted to go, we'll figure it out. I'd, yeah. I'd love for you to get to uh, see what we Christians get excited about when God does some stuff like this. Winfield... Tell me one of the most uh, profound prayer experiences you've had with someone. Oh, wow. Oh, you mean just since being here? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, it, uh, wow. I mean, I feel really, comfortable. Sharing. I have probably 
prayed with hundreds of people. I mean, it's been um, amazing. Um, you know, the other day praying with a Hispanic Latino brother who came in and uh, just the joy on his face. And I've also been praying for people to just receive a, a, a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit Amen. too, so as they make this confession. So Christian, I'll text you the picture later, Bob. Uh, I, I'm a short guy you know so uh this this new brother his name's christian uh gave his you know surrendered his life to jesus and i said you know what now because you know there was confessing of you know coming out of drugs and i I just said now you need to just pray that god just fill you with the holy spirit you know just get all that mess out and as i began to pray for him tears just began to roll down his face and he just lit up like an angel and uh, that was so special i'll so many experiences, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, different people on the call, I don't know where they're at. My, my daughter on Wednesday, she came down to the altar, we were praying, and a good friend of mine, um, God uses him in, uh, you know, prophetic words. And he had this incredible, encouraging word for something that she had been struggling with. And that's what I would say that has been because it, there's such a powerful sense of the nearness of God. When you're in those altars, God will just speak, you know, in really powerful ways as you're praying for people and encouraging them. Um, uh, a, a good friend of mine from church yesterday told me this. Everybody has all these stories, but I love this one story. Uh, he went into one of the side chapels and this this little um, uh, boy came forward. He spoke could barely speak any English and he, he, he's limping and he comes forward and he he hands my friend a nickel. And he says, where's the offering? Mm. I want to give my offering to the Lord. Wow. And my friend had just been studying about the widow's might. And uh, he took the nickel. He said, you know, we're not taking up an offering. Everything here is free. And this kid's parents came over and they said he has, he has, he has brain cancer. And so oh, we no, to bring no. him here. And my friend just lost it and prayed for him. He said, you know what? I'm going to take this nickel and I'm going to, because the church meets in that McKenna chapel on Sunday mornings. So I'm going to take this nickel and I'm going to put your nickel in the offering and we're going to pray for you on Sunday morning at church. And we did. And that's just one of those kind of just people are coming in wheelchairs. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. How long? I mean, I'm overwhelmed. I think this is going to last. Um, you know, they are, we're, it's, it's going, it's coming to an end. And because our, our tiny little town just doesn't have the infrastructure, you know, like I said, I mean, the, the local government authorities have said we have done all we can, um, to, to really help. And, um, but we can't do this. You know, I mean, the secular authorities have been, Humble. I mean, just everybody here is just volunteer, Bob. Like, so if you were here, thousands of people, you know, the, the lectionary reading. So, um, you know, the, the, the Anglican lectionary readings, the gospel reading from last, Sunday before last was, you know, Jesus looking out on the multitudes and it said, you know, he had compassion on them. And I think that's where my heart kind of shifted as this thing kind of blew up is like, oh, my God, there's such a hunger for people to experience the nearness of God. And I, I just want to say maybe for those listening, 
nobody manufactured. This is real. All of it. I, I've every time I go in there, uh, there's just such a sense of the nearness of God. And what it is, is people are just they're broken and they're hungry and God is meeting them and God is meeting their needs. You know, it's like Jesus in the Gospels where he, you know, he, he healed the sick and he he fed the hungry. People are coming and they're broken and they're sick. They've been, you know, they're, you know, with addictions or strongholds and they're just coming and God's meeting their needs. And I've never, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. You know? How can we pray for you, Beth, uh, Winfield? Yeah, I mean, all of us here, I think we are, you know, this has been nonsense. I have friends that have been there praying till, you know, two in the morning you know, two, three in the morning. And I think as a community, we're just really, you know, we're out. <laughs> and uh, like I said, I, Saturday, I'm still trying to physically recover from literally being in an altar and praying for hours. And um, the hunger's overwhelming. I mean, I think that's the thing is just the sense of um, just the hunger that's out, the needs that people have and our world needs. And, I think, again, I haven't read a lot. I don't read a lot of, you know, you know, negative stuff online. I know that there's been some stuff said, but I can testify of the lives that have been touched to see the joy in people's the countenance change in hundreds of people's lives. And uh, it's a very Jesus centered revival. There's no weirdness. There's no, you know, self Playing prophets, there's no big name preacher. I love it. 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 And this I is what it. the church ought to be about. And this is what you Jesus know. You, you know, Winfield over overseas. I, I have seen this multiple times, multiple countries, multiple cultures, and and some guy didn't go out and go. I'm going to start a a, a million person uh, movement of uh, disciples. It just happens, yeah. and uh, because Jesus is given the stage, He's the center of it, yeah. and it stays that way. Hey, I wonder if you and I could just pray. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to have you back on my podcast, and I want to talk to you about art, because uh, I'm a country boy from East Texas, but I love art, and I yes. never did until I went to Vietnam. So I'm going to take you with me to Vietnam, you're going to meet some of the greatest painters in the world. Mm. And I've got a lot of friends from the Middle East that are artists. I want you to meet some of my art buddies. They're all over. I can't paint. I can't sculpture. I can't do any of that. But I want to have you back, and I want to talk about art. And don't you dare give my St. Brendan picture to anyone. Most, I've got it sitting right over here for you. Don't give it to anybody. I want it. It's mine. I don't know how to do Vimeo, but I'll pay for it. I want that picture, especially from you. And, and what's right. happened. I remember I saw that. I went through you. I didn't know you did anything in church planning. I just figured you're some liberal Methodist guy who teaches at <laughs> Asbury. Yeah. But I love your paintings. And so yeah. I thought, you know, so I went all through your paintings one day, and I saw St. Brendan. And I thought, who knows about St. Brendan? Why would they do a picture? But I love the story of St. Brendan. We'll save that for another podcast. Yes. But I want to talk to you about it. But one thing he did do is this. He caught the wind in his sails and no rudder. And so I'm going to pray for Asbury, okay? Yes. And, and college kids. You know what I want you to do, Winfield? Yes. Would you pray for us? I will. Those of us that are listening, we would love to be there. I mean, I'm, I'm 
I'm serious. I mean, I debated getting in my car, but I was reading stuff like that. Nah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But, but we would, Winfield, we need this. Yeah. The church, yes. church in America needs revival. Forget America. Yeah. The church is screwed up, thoroughly yeah. screwed up. We've been captured by politics. We've been, you know, manipulated by all kind of various activists. We don't know how to just listen to Jesus and let him put it together. And I, I want to see a renewal. I want to see one also, Winfield, that just doesn't deal with personal holiness. But I'm hungry to see that one that deals with cultural holiness. I'd love to see racism addressed yep. in a revival. Wouldn't that be cool? I, I would love it. To quote John Wesley, John Wesley said, you know, there's no holiness but social holiness. Oh, really? I'll send you a book. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And that, But wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool? Yep. Wouldn't it be cool? I mean, the first and second great awakenings, yep. I, I don't doubt that God moved. Yep. But people had a point to which they would not. And that's how they view people of other races. Wouldn't it be incredible to see that knocked down? And, and here's the other thing. There's nothing wrong with us having our positions and our theologies yeah. on, on people with different lifestyles or different religions. But wouldn't it be cool if they knew, regardless of our positions and what our beliefs were, that we loved them more than anything else? Wouldn't it be cool if they knew they were welcomed in our homes? That we weren't just, hey, we disagree with you, so I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't know what happened to our faith in America, but somehow or another, we've got to get back to loving everybody where they know more than anything, we love them. Yeah. So uh, would you pray for us and ask God just to pour his spirit out on us? Because there's something about it when you're in the middle of something like where you are. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like there's an anointing on that place. It's an anointing yeah. on you. You pray for us. And then I'm going to pray for you guys. Yeah, no. I love that. Now, I, that's one of the things I, I have really sensed and have been humbled Like what we are experiencing. God wants that to go out. And I do believe that there are impartations and blessings that God um, gives through our prayers. And absolutely, um, I'll do that. And let's believe that revival is going to break out in churches and universities, synagogues, um, just, you know, all around the world. We need a, a renewal of personal and social holiness. And there's always social implications of our private. Um, what happens here has, has that impact. So absolutely. Let me, know, uh, Finney, hey, for what it's worth, yep. and I know a lot of people have different opinions on Finney, but in his, in, in the awakenings he was a part of, it, it dealt with child labor issues. It dealt with all kinds of things, uh, yep. social ills that were present. Uh, Finney actually gave more to charity than the federal government's budget in the early 1800s annually. Well, one of, well, this is a whole nother podcast, but one of the things is looking at the social impact of revivals. Uh, and so that, that's, there's, there's, a, there's a little book Don Dayton wrote, uh, Rediscovering Evangelical Heritage, where he looks at this whole stream of evangelical that actually cared about these core issues. Let me pray for everyone. I know, I know we've been on the thing. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for that. God, you've not forgotten about your church. Yeah. And we thank you that God, you've not forgotten about um, this next generation and Gen yes. Z. And so 
God, in the same way you're pouring out your spirit in an unprecedented way here in this tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, just like you sent your son um, to, uh, to be born in a, in a humble manger in Bethlehem. God, you're doing something so special in this little town of Wilmore that's spilling out into the nations. That's, yes, there's testimonies of it just happening all, on campuses across our nation. And so right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you send your Holy Spirit. I pray that everyone who is just just on the call within the sound of my voice, their hearts would just be stirred for awakening and for revival, Lord, that they would draw closer to you, God. I pray for a deeper hunger uh, for Jesus, a deeper hunger for holiness and to be touched for those that maybe maybe have had a cerebral understanding of, of faith that God, they would experience the reality of the risen Christ. And so Jesus touch our hearts today and God, would you just pour your spirit out upon every community to just redeem our world with the gospel yes, of, the Father. of Jesus Christ. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, as I come before you, I just celebrate what you're doing at, uh, at Asbury. And I lift up to you, Winfield, and all the people that are the professors and the teachers and the church leaders that are praying with these young people that are ministering to them. God, I pray for you to give them strength and wisdom and discernment as they move forward. God, uh, it's gone global whether they want it to or not. It's, it's going to other campuses. It's going to other places. And God, I just want to celebrate what you're doing. God, here, here's my prayer. People are addicted to their cell phones. They, they watch them nonstop. Here's what I pray. Jesus, get in the middle of everybody's cell phone. I pray that, uh, that there is something about place. And I don't know if a cell phone counts or not. But, God, I just pray that, that you would move as people connect with one another, God, through social media. It's been such a negative thing, a harsh thing. But what a beautiful thing, God, if we could connect around the cross. And if we could connect around brokenness and repentance and coming back to you. So, Father, I just ask you to move in our hearts and to move in our lives. God, we all want to be a part of something like this. We long for it. We pray for it. We desire it. God, we just open ourselves up. Whatever you want to do, God, it's all yours, Father. God, I I agree with, with what Winfield prayed. God, he and I both have trained hundreds of church planters. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you, Father, to raise up young men and women to be the church leaders of the next generation of church. God, you're doing it. Lord, help us forget our systems, our processes, our hoops. We make people jump through, God. Help us to come back to you, Father. May the church be completely anchored in you, is my prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this very informative and intriguing episode of the Bold Love Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found this podcast helpful or interesting or thought-provoking, we would love for you to give us a review and subscribe to the podcast on the platform you're listening to. So doing this will help others find their way to this podcast. Doing this actually helps listeners around the world connect with the message. So drop us a review. It'd be very helpful if you could share this on 
on social media as well to help spread the message of bridge building and peacemaking. For full show notes, links, and details about this episode, you can find those at bobrobertsjr.com, bobrobertsjr.com, and you can find those there. We appreciate you so much for joining us. And remember, at the Bold Love Podcast, we want to encourage you, the listener, to live out your faith boldly, learn how to better love your neighbor, and learn how to relate to others despite your differences without compromising your faith. We'll see you next time. Thank you.